Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that doesn't need three spoonfuls of sriracha jam to delight your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is a 21-grain salute to the end of boring bread, a brand on a mission to make the most out of every loaf, to rid the world of GMOs and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. But Dave's Killer Bread has done more than raise the bar on bread. In fact, Dave's Killer Bread was built on the belief that second chances can change lives. When its founder, Dave, the guy with the guitar you see on every loaf, returned to the family bakery after 15 years in prison. Dave took that chance and ended up creating what would become the country's number one organic bread while never forgetting his not-so-easy path. That's why at Dave's Killer Bread, they proudly practice second-chance employment, hiring the best person for the job, regardless of criminal background. And by the taste of it, things have worked out rather well. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread Amplified. Hey everyone, Patrick Connor here, and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. Man, dude, we had a real good fight last night between Errol Spence and Jordanis Rugas. Just had to jump back on here and talk about it, talk about the consequences, talk about all the stuff that's going on here with uh, the welterweight division and my boy, Eris Pina. What's up, dude? How's it going? What's going on, man? Like you just said, we had a very eventful week of boxing and a lot of shakeups, a lot of changes, and um, a lot of excitement, so... It's good to talk about it. Yeah, two weeks in a row, dude. We had like a marathon boxing days a couple weeks in a row. I mean, that's I guess that's not really all that out of the ordinary. It happens semi-frequently. But regardless, um, you know, the welterweight division for a number of years has been kind of the, I don't want to say the glamour division per se, because that's not necessarily the case, but it's been a pretty deep division. It's had a whole bunch of names. Um Recently, in the last few years, between Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather retiring, obviously, that's two massive names getting moved out. But there's still some pretty big names in the division. Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are obviously the two biggest names and the two fighters that everybody wants to see fight. So last night was kind of like what we needed to get last night out of the way. You know, we needed to get Spence Ugas out of the way in order for that to even happen. And Spence needed to get through it, and he did. No, he certainly did, man. And he had to go through a lot of hell to get to that point. You know, it was one of those really close, contested, tough fights for a number of rounds before um, Spence's overall aggression finally broke through, man. It was a hell of a fight. We expected it to be a hell of a fight. Ugas is no joke. He um, convincingly beat Pacquiao and sent him into retirement. He's been held for anyone that he's fought in the division, whether he's lost by controversial decision or he's outright won. And he was definitely worthy and deserving of the shot at the big stage against Spence. And he certainly delivered um, until his face started breaking apart. His eye really started swelling absolutely shut, man. He was, he was there tooth and nail with Spence. And I think it was around round, set, round six where it looked like he hurt him pretty significantly when he knocked out his mouthpiece. So there was a lot of high drama there, man. But at the end of the day, Spence answered a lot of questions considering his accident and if he's fully back or not. Um, and all roads lead to uh, Terrence Crawford, the fight that needs to be made in boxing more than any other. Yeah, dude. It. Uh, I thought that your Denny Zugas was able to kind of uh, interrupt Spence's rhythm early on enough that, I mean, I'm not entirely sure Ugas deserved the rounds per se. They were close. 
but it was, he was landing some very, very clean punches at some he point. He was. Good body shots, a lot of good right hands. Ugas is very slick in how he fights. Like, he's very accurate in where he places his punches. He doesn't really waste anything. And he was timing Spence well, especially when they were, like, kind of going in flurries with each other. And, you know, with his overhand right that he throws, that's kind of looping and awkward. And, and other punches. Ugas is a very awkward and tough fighter. And um, Spence had, took a few rounds to Spence for, uh, for Spence to really adjust and get his rhythm going with him. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's one of the real big problems when you're fighting Errol Spence is that he's not a small welterweight, so you're not really going to have too much on him in terms of physical dimensions and, like, reach or height or anything like that. He's fast enough so that you're going to have to be pretty fast to be a lot faster than him, and he can punch. So, I mean, like, there's you're going to have to be really skilled to do something with him or have a really good punch in order to get his respect. And that was one of the problems is that Ugas could punch enough, obviously, but just not quite enough to make a dent, not quite enough to really make Spence afraid of exerting his will in the fight. And, man, he looked strong. Uh, Errol Spence, his, he worked consistently. I mean, I think after the first few rounds, uh, and he has, I think, in the past been somewhat of a slow starter, so that's not out of the ordinary for him. But after the first few rounds, man, he picked up his jab and was just firing at Ugas. Like It kind of became uh, a fight where it was about how tough Ugas was. You know what I mean? Like, he was just nonstop, relentless, kicking his ass. It was pretty bad. Well, Spence is one of the busiest um, welterweights in the division, all right? He throws way above the average of normal guys. And with the CompuBox stats, Spence um, landed with at least 22 of 78 power punches, uh, 20, 22 of 78 punches per round, and 40% of his power shots over Ugas throughout the entire fight. 70 of uh, Spence's 216 landed punches were body shots. So, I mean, that just shows you right there. Like, you, once he got into a gear, it was, it's hard to, like, get, get out of it. Um, he, he's a tough inside fighter. Like, Spence can box on the outside, and he did that for a number of rounds. He yeah. move well and everything. But once he gets into gear and starts really making the dogfight, I mean, he's absolutely relentless. And he's very, very, very strong for his division. Um, he was one of the few guys that was able to not only back up Sean Porter, but drop him, you know, as well, which Bud was able to, too. But we'll get into that later. And um, he, he, he's just overall very strong and very well-rounded for the division. It's obviously, you know, one, been one of the best, if not number one, then 1A, 1B, however you want to place it. So he proved that over a while. Like, he overcame one of the toughest, most avoided guys in the division, came over some difficulty, had to adjust a little bit. But once he got into gear, like you said, man, uh, what a clinic. Yeah, that that was kind of like there were two, in my opinion, two major things that were kind of like the downfall of Ugas. And that's uh, apart from the fact that Errol Spence is very good, obviously. But um, number one is that he I don't want to try to shove him into a box, but he does have a very typically Cuban style and that he's very almost overly economical, Mm -hmm. like he needs to open up more, period, like he needs to throw more. And the reason why he needs to throw more is because the second thing is that he doesn't have a lot of power. And so he was having to get inside with Spence at least enough so that Spence could hit him because he needed to be able to counter. He needed he needed to be able to work off of Spence, Spence's offense. And that's dangerous. 
as we saw. And there were times I thought where he looked really good. He was making Spence miss. He was able to kind of inch backwards and kind of piss him off a little bit with the way that he was being awkward. And yeah, it was, he was, he was not making it easy for Spence for a number of rounds, but the problem was that those body shots, those shots that were landing, they just start breaking your ass down, dude. They're so heavy. Uh, that's the thing is that they don't, they might not look like much, especially because he's throwing so much, but they add up. And that's, I think, what makes a potential fight with a guy like Terrence Crawford, who, um, you know, there are a lot of things that your Denny's Ugas didn't do or can't do that Terrence Crawford can do. And anyway, that's the danger of it is that standing in there to do those things is you're in there staring down Errol Spence, and that's scary, man. But also you had to look at is that if Ugas was able to have the success that he did, and he did have plenty of success, especially early on, you wonder what a guy like Crawford would be able to do with him. And so that's what makes this fight so intriguing and so spicy and so good because you know both guys at their absolute elite level. It, it just it, this is the fight that needs to be done. Both that the whole division's been cleaned out. Um it's it's where it's at now. You know, and um with that being said, Spence did call out uh, Crawford immediately after the fight. Like, there was no, hey, whatever, this and that. Like, you know, Crawford has moved on from top rank. And um, there's, if, you know, I guess I would probably have to say this would be the best chance out of any chance that they've made it so far that they'd be able to make this fight. So I would love to see it now. Like, I know if it's going to be later on in the year, then whatever, so be it. But this is the biggest fight that needs to be made in boxing. I think both guys realize that there's no hurdles in the way. If something doesn't go down because of X, Y, and Z, that they absolutely will be labeled a duck because not one person's aligned for one network and the other one, the other one, so they can't do this. Like, it's open season now. This fight needs to be made. No other fighters need to be in the interim. Let them figure it out on their own. Let these guys fight for the undisputed crown. So I had to look, I had to pull it up just because I couldn't remember precisely when it was. So uh, it was 2017. It was August of 2017 when Terrence Crawford became, you know, held all of the major belts at 140 pounds. And he moved up to 147 and beat the crap out of Jeff Horn about about, uh, 10 months after that. And so it's been for about five years where we could reasonably say that they should have fought, you know, because they've been in the same division, basically. It's been about five years where we could reasonably say that, you know, it was it it's a fight where that we could expect to happen because they're in the same division before they could always say, well, they're not even in the same division. So why are we talking about that? <clears throat> but so anyway, a good four to five years. We've been talking about this fight, and unfortunately, like a number of other fights in boxing, we've had to put it up on the shelf because of, as you mentioned, the promotional differences and the fact that this guy's in this camp and this guy's in this camp, and those two promotional entities don't work together, you know, not in the least part because one sued the other like a bunch of fucking hayseeds, dumbasses, and, you know, anyway, it didn't work out so well for them, and now they're pissy at each other, and it ain't happening. But now, since Terrence Crawford is away from top rank and doesn't need to worry about all that stuff, thank goodness, which was a great move for him. We talked about it on the show previously. 
you know, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm not trying to slag top rank here. They do what they do with their promoters and it's not UNICEF shit is not a charity, but regardless, um, Terrence Crawford, it, it seemed pretty clear to most people that he wanted big fights at welterweight and specifically Spence and a number of the other premier boxing champions fighters were not going to happen as long as he stuck around at top rank. So he did the, what he needed to do in order to make this fight happen. As you said, after uh, Errol Spence defeated your Denny Zugas last night, you know, uh, man, that was a massive 10th round, by the way. It was just, I, your Denny Zugas, it sounds like he has a uh, fractured uh, orbit. His eye socket is fucked up, which is, you know, a, an injury we have become familiar with in the last few years, unfortunately. Yeah, with but, Spence opponents. <laughs> yeah, for a, a handful of different opponents, we got Kel Brook. You know, we got uh, Billy Joe Saunders had that shit. There have been a whole bunch of people that have had it. But as you said, Errol Spence, after that, uh, getting that TKO, I was saying, man, I don't even give a fuck what anybody has to say. You can make any sort of excuses, say whatever you want to say. But if he doesn't, during this interview, say, I want Terrence Crawford, big mistake, huge mistake. And I just kept thinking, dude, don't dance around it. Please, please don't dance around it. Sure enough, they asked him, and he was like, man, y'all know who I want next. Give me Terrence Crawford yet next. And I was like, <sighs> yes. It was like a relief. It honestly was like a relief. I was like, I don't know why this stressed me out so much, but it did. And it's gone. I feel great. Dude, I mean, it's like it, it's the biggest fight that needs to be made and just reinforced it because there was questions if – if um. Spence is a little bit past it or whatever, you know, considering everything that he's been through. But no, he showed, if anything, he still had top form. Um, he came through, like I said, some adversity early on, uh, some shenanigans with Lawrence Cole. And after he looked like he, you know, what was it, the sixth round where he got kind of hurt or it looked like his mouthpiece was taken out. But regardless, he recovered from that. And like I said, he just put on an absolute clinic from there and ended up stopping Uga. So he, did, he calls out Crawford. Crawford for years has been like you said clamoring for a top fight um it's like you know boxing twitter just boxing in general like fans in general feel like crawford is a guy that's like his skills have just been wasted in the long run like he's fighting big fights supposed big fights some of them have been on pay-per-view some of them on espn whatever it may be like he's getting a lot of publicity everybody knows who he is but he's not fighting guys that are really going to take him to that next level that he's begging for for years he was begging for a pacquiao fight and it always, it came, you know, a few times it came much, much closer than other times it wasn't. And when the pandemic hit, everything kind of completely fell apart for that. And then Crawford was kind of caught in limbo again. Like his biggest fight at that point was, you know, against Kell Brook. Another big fight with him was against Amir Khan. Like those were considered big fights against, uh, you know, a fight on ESPN against Green Machine. Like those were the fights he was getting. He wasn't getting the marquee fights that he really, really begged for. Finally, at the end of his run, <clears throat> when after Pacquiao had already lost and everything else is going on, he gets a fight with Sean Porter. And that's a big fight, nonetheless, don't get me wrong, but it isn't still the fight that he's, like, really, really craving, which would be a fight with Ellis Banks for, for complete supremacy. And Crawford finally shows his worth, becomes the first person to stop Porter and, you know, send him into retirement and such. You know, a star-making performance. And now he's finally, like you said, he's able to finally break free from the clutches of top rank. Like, they've held him for years, not to say that they did completely wrong by him. They did feature him. You know, he's able to become champion and more of a household name, best pound for pound, yada, yada, yada. But 
what he really, really demanded and needed, he couldn't be with top rank to, to secure those fights. It just that's the way the boxing business is. It's not a knock on top rank. It's just how people do business around here. So with him finally breaking free from that, there's no reason why this fight can't be made now. I mean, we don't know where Crawford's going to be and where he's going to end up. There's been rumors all over the place. Um, so-and-so wants to sign with him. This one, even Floyd Mayweather came out the game and said that he would love to sign Terrence Crawford. Of course he would. Um, but wherever it ends up, it'll be easier for him to make this fight as opposed to when he was with top rank who have a long-standing history of not doing business with PBC. As as long as he doesn't sign with Golden Boy, he'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as long as he doesn't sign with I don't think that's gonna I think that's a non entity Now you know who you know who he should sign with? Probellum. No, I'm just (laughs) fucking around. (laughs) Should sign with Daniel Kinahan. No, it's uh look, dude, uh it's the bottom line is that uh I think that you did touch on it that like many people, many boxing fans feel as though Terrence Crawford's talent has been wasted. I mean it's it's probably arguable how much, but I would say it has. And I said before, I don't want to slag top rank, but I'll do it a little bit right here because they were actively not helping him by saying, oh, we've spent money on him. You know, we're making no money on him. That's not the the kind of shit that you say about your fighter that you're trying to like make people want to see. We can't get, we can't sell tickets. You know, we can't get it. You know, I'm like, what? Like, I mean, even if that is the case, you don't say that. Like, you got to put up the fucking, the appearance that he's kicking ass. I mean, you know, that's just how, that's what you're supposed to do. So anyway, I, th- I think that, yeah, I think that that is a reason why some of his potential and some of his star power was not realized was because he was held back for whatever reason. I don't know. I think it was at least in part because top rank simply just didn't want to work with PBC or perhaps PBC wouldn't work with top rank. I don't know. I also, as a fan don't really fucking care. All I know is that we haven't gotten the fight. And so now for all we know is for all we, you know, have been told the roads clear, make that shit happen, baby. The only thing that's standing in the way now, I guess, is just, you know, ego or who's going to, who's going to come out first. Who's going to get the lion's share of the purse. Who's going to get this, who's going to get that. I mean, all of that stuff can get worked out really, but that's the only thing left. It it should be the only thing left because that's really the biggest fight and the only fight in boxing really at this point. It really is, man. There's no way that's not going to be a good fight. Like it, it, there's just no way. You know, when you look back on Delahoya and Trinidad and everyone expect that to be like, you know, an all-time classic firefight, <laughs> you, you look back and you see Oscar's style and how he boxed, you know, kind of cautiously before that and then afterwards, after that fight as well. You can see why when they when those styles mesh that at one point, you can see how it can become what it, what it did. There's no way for these, you know, for Spence and for Crawford to have this. Crawford doesn't have the mentality to kind of very box, you know, to box cautiously. Like he can box, but he's still going to be aggressive because that's always Yeah, he's, he's got that mean cool. streak. Yes, like, his nature is always dominant. He's careful, but like if you hit him, he's going to be like, oh, hell no, fuck that. Exactly. But not only that, like he just has that aggression in him to always just want to dominate. So it's not just like standing back being cautious. Spence yeah. himself is just a come forward guy who's just going to want to get in there and grind. And I think he's still, I think he has more layers to his game than, uh, than Trim that did. If you put them I all agree. together. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude. 
it's it's made for i think for potentially the the best and of course this is like the standard that every fight's been compared to when it comes to big welterweight fights but potentially this has the um, in terms of clash styles and you know undisputed all that stuff with um the first leonard hearns fight man i mean that's a high high thing to compare it to but i'm saying like just potential wise I don't think you're that far off though, dude, because honestly, um, I think that I could see that kind of, you could see that kind of role reversal happening in a fight between Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, where, you know, you probably have Errol Spence as the puncher and Terrence Crawford is more of like the stylist or something like that. And I could see that changing, you know, very quickly on a dime in that type of fight. Hurt in that fight, both guys just totally. struggling, having to make adjustments going through. Like it's it's fascinating to think about. It it is it, our... absolutely what happened. Neither one would get an advantage early on. It's not gonna be it. I would be shocked if the one person of one guy dominated the other. I, I agree, dude. I think that it would be very give and take and it would be very contentious. They've even just in the press gone back and forth for a few years in a way where I think that they're both just like competitive dudes in the ring. They both have a long amateur career. You know, um, it's it's it would be bound to just be a good fight. I think um, the only way it wouldn't be, I guess, is that if it's a blowout, and I think that would be pretty unexpected. But they've it's arguable how much Errol Spence was actually even hurt against your your Denny Zugas. Like, you know, uh, he might not have really been that hurt to me at first, at least watching it. And I haven't watched it back to be honest. I saw the replay or whatever, but um, it looked as if, at least in real time, I thought he was hurt. It seemed like he got caught with something and then he got caught again after he got kind of shaken and that sent his mouthpiece out. And then it would look like he was looking around for his mouthpiece, but you know, listening to his explanation after the fight was also totally plausible because he literally blamed Lawrence Cole. And I was like, you know what? You're it probably was Lawrence Cole, Errol. Fuck. It probably was Lawrence Cole. That guy was a total turd piece of crap, bro. He turned in a totally characteristic, awful performance as a referee, which was, you know, expected pretty much every time he's in there. And yeah, dude. Uh, so it is arguable how badly he actually was hurt against Jordan Zugas. But we have seen him uh, like, you know, kind of shaken or at least at the very least, we have seen him catch some hands. We've also seen Terrence Crawford get shaken up. We've seen him uh, get sent to the canvas. So it's not as if he's it's not as if neither guy can get caught, but something you did say earlier, I do have to say, I mean, it just kind of sticks with me. And also I think it's my own bias as like a Terrence Crawford fan. I like Terrence Crawford. I've been just, you know, as a fighter, more of kind of a Terrence Crawford fan for a few years or whatever. Um, but I just have to think like, is there anything your Denny's Ugas does or did that Terrence Crawford can't do or is incapable of doing? And it's like, totally. no, not really not in my opinion you know he's obviously doesn't have the same style and i'm you know i'm aware of that and i think that ugas is like what's that i said he wasn't as big too oh, this is a big welterweight yeah and he's he's got just kind of like maybe a slightly slicker or uh slightly more cautious style yes but even so i don't think that there's much ugas did or can do that you know terrence crawford can't do in terms of good things mm -hmm. and ugas was able to reach spence a pretty good amount over the first half of the fight 
I have to believe that if Terrence Crawford's given the same opportunities, he's going to do something with those opportunities and it would be bad news for Errol Spence. Of course, the counter argument and not to, you know, send ourselves into a fucking devil's advocate spiral here, but Errol Spence obviously isn't going to fight Terrence Crawford the same way he'd fight your Denny's Ugas. So there's a lot to think about. There's a lot of like analyzing and breaking down to do, which I'm sure we'll do more of if that fight's actually made. But I mean, it's exciting to think about. Dude, it's everybody was buzzing about it after the fight. Everybody got very, very, very excited when Spence called him out in the post-fight interview. So myself uh, included, dude. Yeah, I was like, all of yeah. Them, you know, because there was no like there was, there was there was no like you know asterisk next to it because every time people go oh you know if the fans want to see it we'll see what we can do to yeah, make it you're gonna have to talk to my manager yeah, yeah, i mean we'll see if we can make you know, it happen because it depends it, you know, on what i know he wants it i know i want it we'll see what you know it wasn't any of that he says no no i want him next that's it point blank period let's make it happen and then when other yeah. people were interviewing after the fight he said there's nobody in line to stop this there's no more across the street he's over here let's make this happen and I think he's right. You know, the fact of the matter is he came back. Um, he stopped a very, very tough um, boogeyman of the division, so to speak. And he's a unified champion now. And he there's one more belt left. Crawford feels the same way. He has that one title, but he wants to unify the division. He's consensus one of the best um, fighters in the world. They both have this, you know, the stars are online for them to fight. If not now, then it's now or never. Like... You can put this, it's almost like when Lewis and Tyson were going to fight and there was no one else in the division. Like, you just had to make that fight happen. Delahoya Trinidad, after Trinidad beat Whitaker and Delahoya beat Corte, like, it, things like that, like, it needs to be made. This is one of those fights. It's, it's funny, dude, because, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to briefly talk about this too, or at least touch on, on her win. Uh, Alicia Baum, Baumgartner, she defended her, her title yesterday against Edith uh, Matisse, but I mean, and it's not, it's just using her as an example. It's, I don't mean to, you know, say anything bad about her at all. Cause I think she's a really good fighter. The fight wound up being a, a little bit more pedestrian and not as fun as it, as I hoped it would be. But the issue was more just that in the last like week or two, it was funny because on social media, Alicia Baumgartner was uh saying all sorts of shit to Michaela Mayer. She was like, you can get it, you can get it, blah, 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 you know, typing in all caps and all sorts of shit. And I don't know what happened, but Michaela Mayer was just like, look, we can fight. Like, let's go. What's up? And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she was like, you know what? I don't, Alicia Baumgartner was like, this is a business. Like, this fight has to marinate. And I was like, what happened? In like the span of like 10 minutes, you went from anybody could get it to, well, this is a business and we're going to have to talk about this. And so that's what I was expecting from Spence, to be honest, not to like shit on him, but that's just what fighters do. So to hear him just be like, give me Crawford next. I was like, fucking thank God, dude. Totally. You know, um, like I just said, there was a lot of times where guys will talk a lot. They'll go on Twitter. They'll make a lot of call outs, say X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, they don't really mean it. Or they'll just be like, you know, oh, talk to my manager. We got to go through the business. Yeah. They, oh, they're across the street you know, not enough money involved, all kinds of other BS. But this, for whatever reason, when, when Spence said it yesterday, it, it seemed like even in the tone of his voice, everything, like he seemed serious about it. There was no like BS about it, no nothing. He wants that fight to be made next. There's no other interest in any other fight. He's proven his worth. He's a unified champion. Um, the only other, all, all roads lead to Crawford. Like they just need to make this fight happen. 
Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's no other dude. You can't bring Danny Garcia in there. Exactly. You can't. <laughs> you can't no get Robert Garcia, Guerrero. There's no yeah, there's no any other guy from either or any contender around. Even um the the challenger who won, I can't pronounce his name. Stanis Stanisius. Stanionis. Stanionis. Yeah. yeah. Any of those guys, like nobody. Just make this fight happen next. All right. After this happens, then you can go out and defend and try to like you know figure yeah, out things dude. from there, but. Let them figure it out on their own. These two guys need to make it get it done. And I almost think like everybody in boxing universally agrees about this. Like it just even the fighters, just let this. They got things need to be settled. Yeah, and it's it it's now I think to at a critical point where now if they try to marinate or wait or anything, it's too much. Way too it's much. Marinated for too long. It's, it's yeah, it's too way too it much. It almost got damaged with Spence had a car accident. Luckily, he was able to come back from that. Yeah, like we've already tempted fate. Yeah, we've already. Yeah, and then he revealed that he'd already that he got into another like another car kerfuffle. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, bro, don't take the car away from him and make this fight asap. <laughs> no horse riding. No skateboarding, no, like, no fucking fights. scootering, no razor scootering, nothing, bro. And no interim fights. We don't need Crawford to have another no. interim fight against a mandatory challenger or something or whatever it may be. Yeah, Just and if it's fight. an alphabet belt issue, drop the fucking belt, bro. Fuck exactly. it. Exactly. You know, just drop it at that point because it does not about belts. It really isn't. At the end of the day, no one gives a shit. And one of those title belts will be retroactively dropped back to you eventually. And do it like Marco Antonio Barrera and just be like, no belt for me, thanks. Fuck yeah. it, dude. Let's go. Or any of the fighters from back in the day when they were going to make a unification fight, like Michael Nunn, Sambu, Kalimbe, or um, even, sheesh, I think Hiro Watanabe against Pio Puna. Um, Puna I'm probably butchering his last name really badly. but You're really so close. Like, Pio Puntarat. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, you know, both fights that are supposed to be unification fights, and then one of them had to drop their belt right before him because the Alphabet Boys didn't want to play, you know, play together. They're always pulling some shit, bro. That's just how always. it goes, you know. But, yeah. It, but, well, I mean, and... at the end of the day, this is the fight that needs to be made. Spence proved his point. I got very excited after really coming from, you know, coming from hell to win that fight in a very, very, well, uh, very, very exciting fight. He said, hey, I want Crawford next. No BS, no, no anything else. Let's make it happen. It's the biggest fight that can be made in boxing. It's bigger yeah. than any fight that can be made at heavyweight. That's better, bigger than any fight that can be made above any other division. This is the fight that needs to be made. Yeah. It's, it, I would say at the very least, it's the biggest U.S. fight because I guess if you're going to try to like, you know, you get a lot of U.K. help for like Fury Joshua, for instance. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, in the U.S., just pure... Like, no heavyweight, no, like, you know, glamour division type shit. This is the best fight. No question. No question. So, you know, I I think that the amount of shit that both Spence and Crawford would get if they did not make this fight as soon as possible, it would be massive. So I hope they do, especially for their sake. Um, I was a little... Twitter for the next couple of months, man. Oh, dude, it'll be awful. ASAP. Yeah, it'll be it'll be terrible. It'll be a wasteland, dude. It'll turn to fucking <laughs> gang. It'll just absolute Twitter gang violence. But I was, I have to say, I was kind of looking forward to the pay per view just because there were enough matchups on there, and I think Premier Boxing Champions, generally speaking, 
uh, does a good job with the matchmaking to where some of the fights might not look like glamour fights on paper and, and they might not wind up being glamour fights either, but they're well matched. They usually do a good job with that. And I thought that on paper it looked like that, but unfortunately we wound up with a pay-per-view card of like washed dudes, not looking that good. Um, I mean, I'm just putting it the way it is, dude. Uh, Isaac Cruz, Pitbull Cruz basically laid a beating on Yuri Gamboa. I totally thought Gamboa, Gamboa was going to go down swinging. I thought that he was just going to offer more like offensively. And unfortunately his performance was just offensive. Okay. That was bad. I'm a dad. I'm sorry. That was a bad dad joke, but regardless point is it was awful. It wasn't good. He was old, looked old. He had no Bad business stuff. in the ring, man. Gam- yeah, put in perspective, Gamboa was headlining on HBO when I first moved into New York and got my apartment. So we're talking 2007, 2008, all right? I was fresh out of college. I'm 37 now. So, like, he's been around the block, and especially for a style, the way his was was, like, really come forward and be exciting and, you know, fast flurries and all that other stuff. It wasn't made for a long career. And here he is all these years later and he's being used as cannon fodder and yeah. um for these for these guys who are absolute beasts you know sometimes down you know this is the first time he's been actually blown out blown out because like he went the distance with haney yeah. and he won a number of rounds with tank davis but like still it's just it, he he wasn't it wasn't necessary for him to be featured and just be kind of fed to a guy like isaac cruz <laughs> you know cruz is the kind of fighter where like you just kind of like wind his ass up and then just fucking let him go yeah. in the ring because he's he he's, doesn't yeah, he's one of those little toys man when you wound up the car back in the day and jump 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 and put it down and it went like the, you'd see the wheels like spin that would almost go backwards and then would just go forward yeah totally. dude he's he's just he throws just about every punch at like just full fucking force just like ah, ah, you know just chucking the shit out of everything which makes him whiff a lot of punches really wide but also if you're in there and they connect like holy shit bro like you're in trouble and so i think premier boxing champions did a good job of recognizing that he kind of had a surprisingly entertaining performance against tank davis and then parlaying that into hey dude i think we got something with this guy and putting him on this pay-per-view uh where he clearly it was not a great fight, but he beat Gamboa down. Gamboa is a recognizable name. And I think he made a mark and probably made a handful of fans from it. So, I mean, from that standpoint, it was good. It was just not, it was not nearly as competitive as I was hoping. That was bad. Yeah. I mean, I think more people are liking or having your idea where Gamboa would go down swinging. Um, He wasn't completely blown out in his prior losses recently. So they thought they have more of a chance, but no, nah, man, he's, he's not even spent bullet. Like he's completely washed. And around two, I think what was it was around two where he, he kind of had a flash here and there where like he threw a few flurries and kind of showed the gambo of old for like a second or two. Yeah. But I'm going to be honest, man, even in his prime, a guy like Cruz would have been a tough um, style for him because Gamboa was one of those guys who liked to stand in the pocket. And because he was so explosive with his fast hands, yeah. Sometimes he would neglect defense and a guy like Cruz definitely would have caught him regardless if he was getting tagged up or not. 
So yeah, he used to get knocked down all the time. Like he'd just time. get like get like a flash knockdown because he was because just standing he would go there. Or like you would do them absolute like them stupid pad combinations that you watch Mayweather that Mayweather perfect and every other stupid idiot wants to like do on you know for yeah. Instagram. Yeah, to actually yeah. do that in a fight sometimes. You know yeah. what I mean? And like totally. in between like um the twelve punch combination he was throwing, he would get caught with like two or three and get dropped. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's he was always been an exciting fighter for that reason. It's just that that obviously, you know, eventually catches up with everybody. And with him, it it caught up, you know, and then some against Isak Cruz. That was not. Yeah, it was a it was a bad dude to unfortunately be in there. Because Gamble is, you know, like you said, he's always provided excitement for a number of years. He's been a fun fighter to watch and he's never been a guy that's avoided anybody. He's fought a who's who over the years and um, see him now kind of get used as a stepping stone and brutally get beat up at that is, you know, not nice. It's, it's sad to see. And there's no need for him to keep on fighting like this because it's only going to get worse from here. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have no need or reason to actually, you know, see him going on obviously. So I hope that he figures out how to exit and same goes, you know, for the most part for Jose Cito Lopez, despite the fact that he was able to put it, put together a, a few decent moments against Cody Crowley, but for the most part, it just added to the, yeah, he's a, he's another gatekeeper of the division, but he's been one for years. Yeah. And it's now to the point though, where it's not so much that he's going to like, you have to get past him to get to the elite, but like you're just expected to, and there's no need for him to keep on sustaining, sustaining beatings that he has. Cause he's what been was, around. He's another one that's been around for years and years. That was either 2012 or 2013 that he upset Victor Ortiz. So almost 10 right. years ago now. I was at that and now I'm just thinking back and being like, he was already kind of like, he wasn't old or anything, but he was already he was kind of already like a trial horse. Like, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, we're already 10 years removed from that. And even so he showed some flashes against Cody Crowley, just not enough. You know, it wasn't. He's probably was, featured on like the old golden boy cards back in like the Nokia theater and stuff. No, I can't specifically remember, but he probably was. Yeah, with the LA downtown LA shows that they would yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, he's again, he's just been around for a long, long time. The fact of the matter is, like, like you said, about a decade ago, when Canelo had like four opponents fall out, Paul Williams. That puts into perspective how long ago this was. Yeah, I was at yeah. that too. Yeah, so that was what <laughs> yeah. when he fought Lopez instead, right? As the like uh, as the you know third or fourth replacement. Yeah. Yeah, I was at that shit too. Yeah, that was that was an extremely snake bitten, like just well, and in in the same city at the same night is Martinez Chavez. They had Martinez Chavez over at I want to say Thomas and Mac, and then at MGM there was Canelo Lopez, which I was at, and I mean it made for a really fun Vegas weekend and shit. But at the same time, it was like, what the fuck, dude. You know what? What are you guys thinking? And of course, they still do shit like that now. But yeah, just to put in perspective how long ago that was, though, and how long ago Jose Cito Lopez has been around, it's it's been a while. So I mean, he looked pretty washed last night, apart from a few sequences or a few rounds. Um, and for that reason, it's really tough to gauge exactly how good Cody Crowley is. Like he looked good, but there were actually moments where Jose Cito Lopez had his way. So it was. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a kind of a double-edged sword in that regard. You put them in there with those guys to get experience, potentially get get a showcase, but you know, they're they're 
still skilled enough or whatever to put put their hands together and make you look bad just bad enough to go eh. but, but like the pbc guys especially the prospects they're, they're built you know they're they're brought along pretty well like they're brought along rather i would slowly. agree not, i don't say that they're really rushed into anything too quickly look at um who's the guy that was like the pbc prospect of the year or whatever joey something joey spencer oh yeah like guys like that, you know, he's been around for a couple of years already and he's still being featured on the Fox cards and such as, as the other. So I expect Cody Crowley to be as, as such, like, you know, maybe another yeah. pay-per-view undercard and, you know, more Fox shows and stuff before they feel he's ready for one of those regular titles. Do they still do those? Like the WBA regular one of those? Or I don't know. Uh, they keep you know making the fucking say, pledges. Like, to... Yeah, one of those alphabets. Uh, one of those alphabets. Every, tracks. about once a year, they make a vow. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna start doing away with the titles and divisions you know it, it's the same whatever i'm sure they do have the regular things but yeah to your point i think pbc does a really good job of um it's almost as if and they probably do i mean they probably have somebody at pbc who sits down with these fighters and then comes out with like a five-year plan or some shit and being like all right this I mean, is what we're gonna do i mean straight up because they seem like they have it down they have the plan down for each fighter pretty specifically and they know what the fuck to talk about and what the narrative is to push on social media with all due respect i mean i i say that as a compliment i don't mean the you know saying like they're propagandizing or something they're doing right by their fighters they're they're pushing their fighters along at the proper pace basically and trying to make sure they're not just fucking feeding them into a buzzsaw so yeah, I think they do a good job of that. Oh, totally. I mean, they've had a very high success rate for a number of years, and they keep they have an unlimited amount of prospects that they're bringing along in young contenders. So, yeah. Well, and that's that's the advantage of kind of, uh, you know, when we've talked about this before, but when PBC first came along and their stable got so massive, and people were like, "What what are they going to do with that?" Well, now we're seeing. Totally. Now we're seeing that's what they did with that. They brought fighters along and they were able to use their stable to build their fighters up. So that, now we know. Because you see all these guys being featured on the undercards. Yeah. So now we know. But yeah, you know, I, I thought that it was it was not the greatest card, but the main event definitely helped make up for it. It was uh, the kind of decisive win Errol Spence needed. There was and we need oh, and Spence. All questions too. There was no like. There was no questions asked afterwards, like, oh, Spence isn't fully back. Crawford will definitely thump him, whatever, maybe. I'm sure there's fans out there that do think Crawford will still thump him. But at the end of the day, though, Spence was so dominant that everyone now is just sitting there, like, just drooling in anticipation for this fight. Because it's, as Angelo Dundee, um, as Angelo Dundee said about the first uh, Sugar Ray Leonard-Thomas Hearns fight, when I guess they first approached it a long time ago, you know, when they were still prospects and they were supposed to fight way before either one of them became champions. And Dundee was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to make that right now. You know, you can't have them two fight each other. No way, man. Cause I can feel it. This is going to get juicy. That's what you call it. I can feel it. It's just juicy. It's going to get built up. You know what I mean? <laughs> basically this fight is like, is where it's at in terms of juicy. Like it's, it's at that point. Don't let it pop. All right. <laughs> Angelo sitting in the hot ass Fifth Street gym in Miami, just going, "Oh, baby!" 
Yeah. He was like, I feel it. I feel it's going to be juicy one day. It's just building up. You know what I mean? Don't let this, just let it marinate. Just let it, I don't know if he used the word marinate, but just, you know, just let it build. And what she did, it ended up being perfect timing. Oh, yeah. No, no question. That one, was of the the, rare, one of the rare instances where they let something build up and then, it, you know, it went off at the right moment because usually they yeah. let it expire. Well, and, and also one of the rare instances where like neither guy really lost anything from that fight in terms of like public perception. Exactly. Or, totally. At least not in the long term, maybe in the short term. I'm sure there were people going like, yeah, I see. I told you Tommy Hearns wasn't shit or told you Ray Leonard wasn't that good or something like that. But I mean, in the long term, that was a, mm-hmm. an incredible fight that had a hopefully Spence Crawford is the exact same kind of fight, dude. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see elevate both guys i think so man there's no way with their styles that their styles will just mesh perfectly you can just tell it it will be an awesome fight well it's the fight we need it's the fight i hope we get man well dude i appreciate you going over that fight with me uh dude that was a a really i would say entertaining fight Uh, some people might disagree i think that they're lame but no i thought it was an entertaining fight and i hope that we get spence crawford next man i appreciate it Absolutely, man. That's like we just said, it's the fight that needs to be made in boxing. Um, when you look at everything in the full perspective of everything, like if you look at boxing Twitter afterwards, if you look at the whole sports world, everybody knows that's the fight that has to be made. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Make that one and we'll be happy. Like, all right, we, we already guess we already suffer enough as finally it shut is. up. Yeah, we already suffer enough as it is. There's no like boulders and hurdles or anything else in the way trying to block this one. Make it happen. You heard Eris, dude. Make that shit happen, guys. He'll be after your ass, man. He's gonna get I you. I mean, like, I even might, I might, like, I don't buy modern shirts. I might even have to buy one for that fight. Just saying. Oh, wow, that's yeah. strong words. Strong <laughs> words. <laughs> I don't know. Man, probably not. Maybe. <laughs> even just the threat is pretty big, though. Even just the threat is serious shit. Well, dude, I, I appreciate the discussion. Uh, again, hopefully we move forward with the best intentions on that fight. And everybody who listened in, I very much appreciate you. I'm sure Eris does as well. If you did listen in, uh, go ahead and subscribe on whatever podcast app you li- listened in through. If you watched on YouTube, if you subscribe there, that would also be very much appreciated. If you are on social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram with the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. But individually, for instance, we're on Twitter. Eris is on Twitter as Punch Zone Eris. Me, Patrick Connor. I'm on Twitter as Patrick M. Connor. And I think that's it, man. Eris, we'll talk soon, bro. Absolutely. Have a good one, everyone. Every day my company gets scam phishing emails trying to get money or sensitive info. I wanted to protect my employees and my clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. First, teach employees to recognize and report phishing. Next, require strong passwords plus multi-factor authentication. And finally, turn on automatic updates for your business software. 
To learn more, go to CISA at CISA.gov forward slash secure our world. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.